Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Lightning fans, you found the right show for everything you need to know about your favorite team in the NHL. It's the Lightning Insider Podcast with Eric Erlinson. Get ready for insight, historical perspective, interviews, and breaking news that comes from a reporter insider who's got near 20 years on the Tampa Bay Lightning beat. Now for the latest with the Lightning, here's Eric. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the LightningInsider.com podcast. I am Eric Erlinson from Lightning Insider. Coming to you solo following Game 1 of Round 2 between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Carolina Hurricanes. A game won by Tampa Bay by a score of 2-1 to that does give them a 1-0 series lead in the best of 7 series for the right to go on to the NHL Semifinals. Yes, notice I didn't say Conference Finals. It is the NHL Semifinals this year because... There are no conferences, as we know, in the age of COVID. So the winner of this series, the Central Division, we do know will face either the New York Islanders, the Boston Bruins, or the Toronto Maple Leafs in the league semifinals. We also know that the winner of the Colorado Vegas series is guaranteed to have the number one seed because they do reseed for the semifinals based on regular season points. So Vegas and Colorado led the league. They were tied for the number one spot. Colorado actually won the tiebreaker in the President's Trophy, but both the Golden Knights and the Avalanche tied in points. So they will get the number one seed, which there's a lot of ways things can break, but just know this. The winner of this division, the Central Division series between Tampa Bay and Carolina, cannot play Colorado or Vegas in round one because of or around the semifinals which would be round three just because of the way that the other series broke because you had the number three and the number four seed in the East Division that being the Islanders and the Bruins both win their respective series which means they finish below both Tampa Bay and Carolina in the standings so there's where your guarantee is is that Tampa Bay or Carolina cannot face either Vegas or or Colorado, unless it was in the Stanley Cup final. All right, enough about that. The game. It was a much different feel and a much different tone between these two division rivals as opposed to what we saw in Game 1 between Tampa Bay and Florida, where there was all kinds of post-whistle scrums and roughing calls and face washes and little extra jabs, hits there and there, uh, here and there for both teams that kind of got out of hand, a little nasty at times, certainly wide open, game finished 5-4 with Tampa Bay on top with a couple of uh, lead changes in that game uh, that resulted in Tampa Bay taking the 1-0 series lead on the road against the Panthers. So a much different feel 
and a much different tone to how game one between Tampa Bay and Carolina went. And I thought it was interesting when I asked John Cooper that question after the game, you know, about why this one felt different than maybe it did against Florida because they played both teams eight times during the regular season. And there is familiarity, and sometimes familiarity breeds contempt, especially when it comes to the playoffs. But I found his answer a little interesting in that because Tampa Bay and Florida have been division rivals for years, actually for the existence, the entire existence of the Panthers when they came into the league in 1993, they've been in the same division. So they've played each other a lot. They play each other preseason. Sometimes we've seen them play three preseason games and then two regular season games. Like they see each other a lot. But they don't see Carolina as much. They used to. Don't forget Tampa Bay Carolina used to be in the Southeast Division. Yes, Southeast Division forever. For a number of years, along with Washington and Atlanta. But they haven't been in the same division for a few years now since they realigned went to the Atlantic, the Metro, the Central, and the Pacific. So that's exactly what John Cooper said, is that, yeah, they were in their division this year, but they weren't previously for the past few years. So it doesn't kind of bring up that, and he stopped short of using this word, but I I felt he wanted to use it. He was kind of going down this path. It was hatred, right? It's hatred. That's kind of what we think about when we listen to Uh, players at this time of the year discuss how and why they don't like the other team. There's a hatred that builds up. There there wasn't any preconceived of that going into the series. But the other part of it, I think, is the fact that there's more on the line now, right? Opening series, everybody's pretty fresh. And in my mind, a lot of ways... Florida sees themselves as a little brother to Tampa Bay. Came into the league one year later. Haven't really had any success ever since that run to the 1996 Stanley Cup Final against Colorado. Only made the playoffs less than a handful of times. So they kind of see themselves in a lot of ways as the little brother to Tampa Bay's big brother. So I think there was a little bit of that kind of a complex there too. And whether that was fueled internally by Joel Quenville or anybody else involved with the Panthers, Panthers will never know. But you had that feel to it, right? So that was kind of built in. So you get what we had in that series, and it probably didn't hurt either that the two teams faced each other twice to close out the regular season. But certainly wasn't that feel here with Carolina. You almost went to it, and you know what you got? You got a hockey game. Got a pretty good hockey game. Two teams who know how to fight for every inch on the ice. Carolina plays fast. They play in your face. They don't give you anything. And we know when Tampa Bay's at the top of their game, they can do the same. Right? We saw it in game five. Or game six, rather, against Florida, where they really shut down the Panthers. And, and again, fought for everything. And that's kind of what happened in this game. And that's what he, it evolved into. And it, 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 was, it wasn't for entertainment value. Certainly was in the neighborhood of game one. And even throw out all the physicality and all that 
nonsense that went on after whistles. That was still an entertaining game between Florida and Tampa Bay to open up that series. This one wasn't as entertaining, but it was more the style of a playoff game that you would expect at this time of the year, especially in round two with a chance to reach the final four on the line. So we didn't get that, right? We just got a good old-fashioned strong hockey game. Now, here's, here's what we knew had to happen. Tampa Bay had to deal with Carolina, for lack of a better phrase, a hurricane surge. I know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I said it, I went there. You knew Carolina behind their crowd of roughly 15,000, the largest crowd that they have had since fans started to come back into the stands. We've seen these number of fans rise uh, pretty exponentially here over the past couple of weeks. You knew that they were going to be energized by that crowd, and they were. They came out and they pushed, as you knew they would. Andre Vasilevsky didn't allow that to affect him, didn't allow it to affect the team. He was strong in his net, even as Tampa Bay had to kill off two first-period power plays. So it starts with 88. It starts with withstanding the quick start you knew Carolina was going to bring, and they did. So you get through that, and you find yourself in a 0-0 game after 20 minutes. Then you start to settle in. And again, anytime the game is close, you're going to get what happened on Sunday. Not what happened in the Colorado-Vegas game. That was just a bunch of buffoonery. Once that game got out of hand, similar to it did in Game 4 when Tampa Bay started to pull away from Florida, and we all know the nonsense that came out of that. You saw same of the non, some of the same nonsense in the uh, Vegas-Colorado game. But Tampa Bay-Carolina was a close game. It's 0-0 going into the second period. It's tight. One mistake can make the difference. Foreshadowing. So both teams want to make sure they stay tight, they stay structured, they don't turn the puck over, everything like that. That's what teams want to do at this time of the year. And that's what happened. We got a good, tight-checking, hard-fought hockey game, and Braden Point breaks the ice late in Tampa Bay's first power play chance. This wasn't a typical lightning power play goal. You know, Carolina is very aggressive. They do pressure the puck. They do try and take away time and space just as they do five on five. And they're pretty good at it. And they weren't allowing, even when Tampa Bay got into the zone, they weren't allowing setups. And when they did, they were not allowing Nikita Kucherov and Steven Stamkos to play catch. Right? They were not going to let that play happen. Because when one or the other tried to go across the ice... It usually meant the puck had to go back up higher and not in a position to where Tampa Bay's power play setup could be so dangerous. But this particular goal did come almost off a rush play with Victor Hedman finding Braden Point for a redirect that sneaked through Alex Nedeljkovic for a one nothing lead. Now here's the thing with Carolina. You might have a lead on them. Good chance that lead's not going to stay. They are, I've said it before, relentless. Said this in the 
uh, series preview podcast with Greg, they will come at you. Now, here's the thing with Carolina, though. Their best surge of the game actually came in the first 10 minutes. So even when they were down one nothing, even when they tied it early in the second, third period on a power play goal, they didn't have that typical Carolina completely, you know, uh, compress the other team down to the zone. They didn't have any of those moments. And that's a good sign for Tampa Bay because they were able to avoid that. They were able to keep Carolina to the outside. And this is something else I told Greg and and the listeners in the last, last podcast. Carolina is a high shot volume team. They love to throw pucks at the net. And they ended up in this game with 38 of them. And there were dangerous chances, uh, don't get me wrong. But this is what Tampa Bay was able to do. For the game, despite giving up 56% of puck possession, if you want to go by Corsi numbers, and this is in all situations, they only gave up 24 scoring chances. And that's Again, that's all situations. So that counts the nearly 10 minutes of power play time Carolina had. If you break that down to even numbers, they allowed 18 scoring chances. And i got to correct my number here because actually in all situations they gave up 23 scoring chances. So I, excuse me for that. 18 scoring chances. That's, that's a pretty good number. Even with the 38 shots on goal, 28 of those, they had Carolina 28 even strength shots. 18 scoring chances. You'll take those numbers. Because if you can keep Carolina to the outside, and then you can keep them from crashing the net, you're going to give yourself a good chance to win. And I think in a lot of ways, that's what's what happened here with this game. Now, I expect Carolina to be better in game two, but we're only talking about game one right now. And what I love about well, there's a couple of things that I really, really liked. First of all, on the game-winning goal by Barclay Goodrow, and read more about that at lightninginsider.com. There was a puck battle. I believe it was Victor Hedman right in front of the Tampa Bay bench who was able to get the puck back up closer to the Carolina blue line. Barclay Goodrow is able to get it in. And then Blake Coleman is able to win a puck battle to not allow Carolina to clear it. Goodrow comes in support, picks up the puck, makes a move to the net, then gets pushed to the outside by Brady Shea. And then he puts a puck on net that finds its way into the Carolina goal. Just over seven minutes left. Now, it was a bad goal for Alex Ndelkovic to give up. Not only the time in the situation, but in the way it was scored. Because he's trying to move back to his right as Goodrow pulled out wider outside, so he's trying to cut down that angle to his right. He he missed his mark. A goalie in that situation is trying to lock his skate or his pad against the post, right? So he's expecting that. And, and if you go back and watch the replay, you'll see this. He misses the post. And when he misses the post, 
because he's expecting it to slow down his momentum, it throws him completely off balance. And when he does, that right pad slips up into the air. He kind of falls awkwardly towards his left, and the puck squeaks right underneath. It's a bad goal. Rod Brindamore even said so after the game. But the Lightning aren't going to give it back. But again, if you don't win those wall battles, win those battles for the puck, you're not in a position to make that move. You're not in a position to score that goal. So especially in the playoffs, those little things really, really add up. So now the Lightning are tasked with having to kill out the remaining seven-plus minutes of the third period. Again, against a Carolina team in the series against Nashville, the Predators actually outscored Carolina 12-11 to in periods one and two. Carolina outscored them 9-2 to in the third period. So you knew and you know that Carolina always has a push. They didn't really have one. Yeah, they had the puck in the zone some, and the Lightning played not a ton. They didn't play a ton of chip and change. You know, if if the line had been out on the ice for you know more than thirty seconds, for sure, you saw a dump and change, get fresh bodies out on the ice, and then try and prevent Carolina from gaining zone, make them come two hundred feet. Talk about that all the time. Don't force plays when you're trying to protect leads. And there were times where they did, you know, gain the puck and and gain the Carolina zone. They didn't. It wasn't all chip and change, which was something you probably like to see, based on how they were unable to protect the lead in Game Three against Florida. So it was a good sign for me to see that that this team shut down a high powered, high octane team that can really bring it when they're chasing a lead. So if you like ways to protect, there's no perfect, the the best way to protect a lead is always going to be don't give the other team a puck, but it's impossible in hockey, right? So uh, good sign for Tampa Bay to find a way to close this game out. And then in the final minute and a half, you know, you're missing Eric Chernak because he left the game at the end of the second period, did not return. He kind of got sandwiched a little bit on a hit where he basically went face shield to face shield in sort of a whip action um, when he was sandwiched along the boards. So he did not return for the third period. You're already without David Savard, who missed the game with an upper body injury, which was a surprise announcement before the game. So you had Ryan McDonough and Victor Hedman out on the ice to close that game out. And it was a little sketchy because it was Ryan McDonough tried to clear a puck and the blade of his stick stick snapped off the shaft. So not only does the puck not get out, he's playing without a stick uh, in a six-on-five situation. And then it was actually Barkley Goodrow you know, being Barkley, Goodrow was the one who gave up his stick to Ryan McDonough in that situation, and they were able to they were able to get the the to close out the game and win it two to one to take a one nothing series lead. 
So those were the things that stood out to me. Those were the uh, moments that kind of lead you to a victory. Uh, again, if you want more on this, go, go to my website, lightninginsider.com. Check it out if you're not already a subscriber. If you're not yet a subscriber, if you sign up for a new yearly subscription, then I will enter you into a drawing to win a free copy, free personalized copy of my book, Lightning Strikes, that I will mail to you. So anybody who own or signs up for a new yearly subscription will be entered into that drawing. So check it out. So again, that's lightninginsider.com. Don't be left out. Make sure you subscribe to the Lightning Insider on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else where podcasts are found. Now, here again is Eric. All right, before we get to your questions, I want to make sure we have our uh, deal again with our good friends over at Smack Apparel Sports. If you go to smackapparels.com, check out their brand new Lightning shirt. It's called Back to Boat. Of course, this is in reference to the boat parade. So go check it out, Back to Boat. But if you order anything from our friends at smackapparel.com and enter the code BOLT21, that's B-O-L-T-21, you will get 21% off your order. So again, smackapparel.com, enter the code bolt and you'll get 21% off your order. There at smackapparel.com. So go to smackapparel.com. Check out their clothing line and everything else they have. They have a lot of lightning-related stuff, but to check out that back-to-boat shirt. And again, Bolt 21 to get your discount off of any order. Take advantage of that today. All right, here are the questions that everybody sent in, and as always, I do appreciate all the questions that sent in. Uh, Rob sent one in, and I, and I ordered, uh, answered it for him on Twitter, but I'm going to answer it here too because he asked if, if Eric Chernak misses the next game and, and Savard as well, it has to be Cal Foot, right, or Ben Thomas, question mark. John Cooper was asked after the game. He did say that David Savard is considered day-to-day while Eric Chernak, he said he expects to be okay. We'll see. The team probably practice in some capacity on Monday. Uh, so maybe we'll get a better answer by then. Uh, but it doesn't sound like it's anything that's going to cause Tampa Bay to dig deep into the depth chart. But those are the two right-handed shots that you would consider for sure. Uh, I don't know if they would maybe go with a guy like Frederick Clayson who's got a little bit more NHL experience and did get in a couple of games before the end of the regular season. Because remember, Cal Foote's played one game at the NHL level since April. Ever since David Savard was acquired, Cal Foote's played one game. So he's a little uh, out of sync, if uh, for lack of a better term. From Paul, it's a good question. Do you know what kind of effect the new ventilation systems to allow fans in arenas are having on the ice? The ice in Sunrise looked roughed at times, and today in Carolina didn't look great either. Our afternoon game's worse due to the outside heat. Well, that's the one thing we have to remember. We are at the end of May. The next game will be actually be on June 1st. So the heat does affect the ice. We saw some repairs going on at PNC Arena. The ventilation system, 
So that so that's the ventilation system, right? Like that's out there to make it better for better airflow and better air quality. That's how these arenas are able to get. They have to administer and follow what the league sets forth to be able to get a certain number of fans into the game. The big thing is is the humidifiers, the dehumidifiers. And this is something the Lightning do every year when they're in the playoffs. They bring in these dehumidifiers to pull the moisture out of buildings. And that's, you know, even with 19,000 in, they try and pull as much moisture out, as much humidity out as possible so that the ice is in better condition. But again, heat is not the best friend of ice, and humidity is not the best friend of ice. And in the South, you have that. Although, I, I don't think it was actually all that warm in Raleigh today, from my understanding. I didn't see a high, but uh, I have a f- family who's on vacation this weekend in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and they said the high was only about 65. So I don't know how hot it was in Raleigh, a little bit more inland. But that that's the situation. Hopefully they get it better for game two because you saw it. I mean, Blake Coleman had an opportunity in the third period that could have made it three to one, and the puck just slid off the blade of a stick because it was in such bad condition on the ice. So hopefully they'll work on that. And, you know, you had more people in the building, up to 16,000 at PNC Arena today. That probably adds to it as well. Um, from Lightning FCB. What do you think of Goodrow's impact on the penalty kill? Also, did you notice Kucherov being slightly off today? Pucks bouncing off a stick, stuff like that. Hope he's not still hurt. Uh, I mean, Barkley Goodrow plays all out, and he rounds out the penalty kill. Him and Blake Coleman are a fantastic pair together, just in the way that they pressure pucks, and they're smarts to stay in lanes. So he makes a huge difference on the penalty kill, there's no doubt, because you put him and Coleman together, and then you've got Sorelli and Kalorn together, you filter in Yanni Gord, you send out Steven Stamkos for uh, face-offs in the zone. Uh, but those two are the top pair together, and they make a big difference on the impact uh, of the, the PK. As far as Kucherov being off, um, I think the ice probably had a little something to do with that. You know, if pucks are hopping off, off of his stick, I think that's part of it. I, I don't think he's still hurt. I mean, look, he's had plenty of time to recover from that hip. Right, again, it was a four four to five-month recovery. We're just at the five-month part of it. And as great as he looked in the first round, you can't tell me he didn't have some effects from it just because he hadn't really done anything close to that level since September the 28th. So I, I I would not be concerned about an injury situation at all. It's just, you know, one of those games. And he still had an assist, which means he's still, well, I don't know, Nathan McKinn went off tonight, so I don't know what his point total was. But, you know, Kucherov is now up to 12 points in seven playoff games. Um, Rob's... Follow-up question, since there's so many teams doing the goalie rotation, do we see McElhaney in Game 2? Just kidding. He he laughed. From KJ, what do you think is the team's most consistent momentum factor across both series and styles of play? Obviously, with this game having a lot less between whistles than previous series, how do they adapt coming into this series? Well, Florida likes to play with pace. I like to say Carolina plays with controlled pace. 
right? If you want to consider Florida more of a wide-open, fast-paced team, Carolina is a fast-paced team, but they do it with discipline, with the structure. And that's what makes them tough to play against. So you have to adjust to that. You know, and look, I don't believe in momentum carrying over from one series to another because you're facing a different opponent. But you do have to make adjustments based on the opponent you're setting, you're, you're getting ready to play. And Florida's a much different team from Carolina in the way that they play. Uh, yeah, a lot less physical. We'll see if that continues. Sometimes, you know, especially like if one of these games gets out of hand on the scoreboard, you, you're going to get some of the tomfoolery that we've seen, right? So we'll see if that continues. So as long as the games stay close, you won't get too much of that stuff. Um, but I expect the physicality to step up a little bit. Of course, it's it's sometimes you you can't hit what you can't catch, and both teams like to pay with play with pace. Uh, so maybe that has part to do uh, with it. But yeah, they, it's just it's just some minor adjustments, just some tweaks in how they want to approach Carolina. You'll always hear coaches and players they all say it ain't it's not about them, it's about us. How are we playing? But you do have to understand who you're playing against and just make your slight differences there. And I think we saw that. You know, uh, in the first period, we saw Tampa Bay try to use stretch passes a little bit to try and set up their breakouts. And they got in a few times. Carolina adjusted to that. I also thought in the first period that Tampa Bay was not getting enough traffic to the net. They were getting shots. I think they finished the first period with 12 shots. But I think Nadelkovic saw most of them. They were all coming from the outside. Second period, you saw the adjustment of getting players in front. So it's adjustment from game to game and even from period to period that teams go through. And the last one from Trey, uh, he asked about the ice conditions seemed pretty rough. They were. I mean, you saw it at least twice. I think it was both the third period, actually, where they had to come out and, and do some repairs on the ice. Um, it's It's summer. It's not officially summer, but it's summer. Uh, you have summer heat. We'll see what the conditions look like down here at Amelie when the series shifts here for games three and four on Thursday and Saturday, especially with Saturday's game being a 4 o'clock start. You know, and again, these teams do everything they can, and, and I've been to that arena in Raleigh <laughs> dozens and dozens of times, and I can tell you it's cold there. Downstairs by the Zamboni entrance or by where the, the lightning come out on the ice, is it's literally it's a wind tunnel. And it's cold, so they do keep they do try and keep the building cold. Problem is, is that you've got heat, and that factors into it. So, um, but the ice is what the ice is. Both teams have to play on it. I don't ever use ice as an excuse for anything, but it it, it was definitely in, in rough shape. Uh, certainly here for game one. Hopefully they find a way to get it a little bit better for game two. All right, that's going to wrap up this post-game one edition of the LightningInsider.com podcast. I will be back again after game two. That's a 7.30 start, again, on NBC Sports Network. Uh, Check out everything I have at LightningInsider.com. This podcast, if you're listening to it for the first time, subscribe to it, share it, Give us a review on Apple. Give us that five-star review. It means so much. And make sure you check out our friends at Smack Apparel. Again, smackapparel.com. Find the back-to-boat shirt. Use that code BOLT21, B-O-L-T-21, to get 21% off your order. Uh, So go check that out. 
Uh, And again, I'll be back after Thursday's game with another review. Until then. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.